and Scott Smith here. And again, this is where we always take all of your questions. So leave those underneath our Facebook live video. We actually started the live video a little early today. So people have already yeah, got some, some stuff, stuff rolling in, which is great. So again, send all of your questions underneath this live Facebook video for us, for us to get a chance to answer. And while I uh, start going through some of these here, just overall thoughts on these last two games, two wins in a row at home, one against a division opponent. It feels like some good stuff is starting. Guys always say it just, just kind of takes one game to spark a little bit of momentum. Yeah, hopefully that's the case both in terms of wins and losses and takeaways because after getting one interception in the first 10 games, we've had six in the last two, right. which is pretty amazing, including three by Andrew Adams, which was fun to see. If anybody wants to hear more from Andrew Adams, we just had him on our as a guest on our podcast, oh, cool. the Salty Dogs. So tune into that tomorrow. It'll, it'll go up tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, it, it's – it seems like it could snowball a little bit. They always say that about takeaways, that once you get them, it can sort of become an avalanche, and hopefully that's the case. Right, yeah. Uh, because that's made all the difference in the world. If you look at the two games we played Carolina, uh, Christian McCaffrey's stats at the end of each game were almost identical. He had he had basically the same number of yards from scrimmage. He had one more touchdown in the first game. The Panthers actually had more uh, yards in this last game on Sunday than the first time, but in the first game, they won 42-28, to 28, and this time we, we won 24-17, and the, the difference, obviously, is the turnovers. I mean, it went, went, I think we were 2-0. We were 2 down in the first game. We were 3 up in this one. So, I mean, it, people say it a lot, but it's pretty obvious that's what it is. And the Buccaneers' defense is not going to climb out of the bottom five or six in terms of yards allowed this season. It's just not going to happen. But they are now – what matters, of course, is points. And the way things go in the NFL nowadays – you can give up a lot of yards, 446 mm -hmm. yards, I mean, and give up 17 points. I and mean, we had a game where we had 500 yards and only scored three points. Right. So what matters is turnovers and third down stops. The Bucks were three and eight. They are now 10th in the league in third down defense and first in the league in third down offense. So the Buccaneers are doing a better job of extending drives than their opponents. So if they can just stop turning the ball over, which we have for the most part the last two games, this kind of result can continue. It's a big, big challenge this coming week against New Orleans. But then again, we already know we've beaten them once. So yeah, that's, place. that's a great point. Uh, Steve said, is Ryan Griffin going to receive playing time at QB before the end of the season? Well, a couple weeks ago, we said maybe that would happen if, if sort of the rest of the season started to crater and you were the lose, losses kept piling up. But I think that's become less likely with the wins. And in addition, not only the fact that the Buccaneers have won two more games and believe it or not, are still in the playoff hunt. And whatever you personally think about that and the possibility of it happening, I can understand there being skepticism, but a team that is still in the playoff hunt has to approach it like they can still make it. You have to try. And so the Buccaneers are going to continue to play the guy they think is going to give them the best chance to win, and that's obviously Jameis Winston right now. But even apart from that, when you put Jameis back in there and he starts playing the way you wanted him to play, really making good decisions – He's always been making good throws, really making good decisions, not having those errant throws and protecting the football and playing winning football. You want to see if he can continue doing that. There's no reason to take him out now. Right. That's a great point. Uh, and I, I'm glad someone brought this up. This is a topic we haven't uh, talked about too much, uh, but we had a few different people bring up Cairo Santos. <laughs> good. Uh, and I saw someone said that he deserved uh, – Kedrick, I think is the name, said Santos needs a lifetime contract. Right. Well, as long as he doesn't ever miss a kick. I'm, right, I'm sure, why not? That. He hasn't missed one yet. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me – Knocking yeah, on knock all on the wood. Uh, it seems to me that most of them are just – right down the middle. Mm -hmm. He's just got this very nice and easy stroke. And I, I remember saying that about Chandler Cutt-Mazzaro when we were first watching him in the uh, in the summer. It, it, after watching some of the kickers we've had recently, like Roberto, unfortunately, things didn't go well for Roberto Aguayo here, but he had more of a violent kind of 
swing, whereas I thought Chandler's was more simple, but that didn't work out. But I say the same thing about Cairo. It just looks like nicely, easy yeah, very little effortless. swing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, effortless. And um, he's actually kicking off better than some people thought he would, too. I mean, all five of his kickoffs, kickoffs actually made it to the end zone in this last game, three of them for touchbacks. So that's been a bonus that his kickoffs have been pretty good as well. Yeah, that's huge. Um, and I love this. We, we always like to ask for people to share where they're, where from, they're from, where yeah. you're watching from. And uh, Kevin just said, have a great Bucks Christmas, everyone, from Ireland. 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 Fantastic. So I thought that was pretty okay. awesome. And then uh, this is a great point. Douglas said, can you talk about how big of a factor Vita Vea's push will be against the Saints because he did not play the last time right. we faced them. So that is definitely one of the dynamics that could be mm-hmm. a little bit different this year. So what have you seen uh, from him now as compared to when yeah. we played the Saints? First? He had the big game. Um, right. He wasn't there in the first game. He had the big game two weeks ago uh, where he had the three tackles for loss, including a sack. And now if you look at the box score from this past game, there's not a lot of Vita in it, like maybe a tackle or two, but it wasn't a step back. He's still, I watched him on a couple plays specifically, and he was still getting a lot of push. He was getting, I saw one play where he drove his guy just the entire play all the way to where the quarterback was. Now, the quarterback did get the throw off there, but you continue to do that. You're going to make things happen. And they always say that the best way to pressure a quarterback is directly up the middle, you know, um, so if we can get that going, Gerald McCoy is playing really well. Again, another guy that's not going to show up in the box score a lot in the last one, but he had two hits on the quarterback that affected throws that were intercepted. So uh, Coach Cutter said Gerald had one of his best games in the last week. So you've got those two guys now, uh, and if they can create that big push up the middle with what has become pretty standard good pressure off the edges from JPP and Carl Nassib, that definitely could make a difference between the last one and this one. And we saw – it's hard to beat Drew Brees. It's even hard to rattle Drew Brees. But Dallas's defense, which is great, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's the same defense, but they were able to really pressure Drew a lot. They they got him to make some throws you never see Drew Brees make, where just kind of a desperation kind of thing. A big pick at the end, he kind of like the pressure was right in his face, and he threw it sidearmed and off balance, and it was intercepted. You don't hardly ever see that from Drew Brees. If the Buccaneers could emulate that to some degree, it, it could make a big difference. Now we're we did win that last game, right? But we gave up forty points, right? Uh, Kedrick also asked, uh, "How big of an impact was Levante coming back into the lineup?" Well, twelve tackles, a sack, the tipped ball uh, that led to Adam Andrew Adams' first interception. If you want to see how good of a player Levante is and how much difference a guy that good and that instinctive can make, look at go to or well, you're here on Buccaneers. Well, are we on Facebook? Facebook, yeah. Okay, go to Buccaneers.com and look at Rondé Barber's breakdown of that play that first interception and you'll see mm-hmm. what a great play Levante made and you you could probably watch them go there's probably a lot of linebackers that wouldn't have made that play so it's not just his athleticism on that play it was his um it was his uh instincts and his recognition of what they were trying to do so what happened with Levante back was he went back to his normal weak side spot where Adarius Taylor was playing. Adarius Taylor went to the strong side spot, and they actually played Kevin Minter as the middle linebacker. It, he just wasn't on the field a ton because they weren't in 12 or 21 personnel very often, and so right. we weren't in our base defense very right. often. But when Kevin Minter was in there, he had a sack and made some impact plays. So I think at least going forward with Levante back, you've taken that linebacker position, which was really kind of shaky for a few weeks there without Quan and Levante, and kind of solidified it thanks to – a, another good role for Darius Taylor, who has now started at all three linebacker positions, mm-hmm. and maybe something from Kevin Minter. Yeah, that's so, a great point. Uh, it's kind of helped the whole crew that he's back. Right, yeah. Uh, Zach and Brian both asked variations of the what needs to happen in terms of making the playoffs if we're able to win out. Yeah. Uh, 
it's a little complicated right now, unfortunately. One good thing that did happen was it was good for us that Philadelphia beat Washington last night. Uh, that that even both teams up at six and six. What we really would like to see is Dallas run away with the NFC East. Of course, not by beating us. They'll right. have to win all their other games, but not against us in Week 15 or 16. And uh, and then you have Philly and Washington are two of the teams that you have to worry about in the in the wild card hunt. You got to get over those two. But you really don't have to get past Philadelphia. You can tie with Philadelphia because, because we, we have a head-to-head tiebreaker. Yeah. But the, the opposite is true against Washington. Interesting. So we'd like to see Washington fall off. I think what you have is Seattle's the first wild card spot at seven and five right now, and then Minnesota's at six, five, and one. And we don't have any head-to-heads with any of them. So without in front of me um, a, a, a chart showing me division records, conference records, stuff like that, it's a little hard for me to say for sure what we're going to need. But I am going to be writing about this at the end of the week. So I'm going to put up a viewing guide on Friday that give you an idea of which teams to root for on Sunday and Monday. So uh, I'll have a better answer for you then. But the Bucks are a game and a half behind Minnesota in the second wildcard spot right now. That sounds doable, right? right? I mean, that's the optimistic way to look at it. The problem is it's not just one team they have to catch. There's like six teams in the hunt and you have to jump like four of them. So it's a difficult thing, but it's possible. Right. And if it gets close to that time and it is still a factor, I know we've done the smart board videos in the past. We will do that again with all the different scenarios and if this happens and if this happens. So definitely stay tuned. I hope we're doing that. I hope we're doing that too. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, We have a lot of people who sent us where they're watching from, which is great. We have Daniel from New York, Morton from Denmark, Denmark. uh, Casey from California, Sean from Seattle. Uh, we have Victoria, Texas. Got a lot of different places, wow, which neat. is really awesome. Do you awesome. know where Victoria, Texas is, Texas girl? I don't, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a pretty big state. It is a big <laughs> state. I always love when someone says, you're from Texas? I know someone yeah. that lives in Texas. I'm Do like, you know Texas Bob? is bigger than France. <laughs> <laughs> like, that does not help me. Uh, so I wanted to hear your thoughts es- essentially on getting all those interceptions. What is the likelihood that we, we talked about how it almost seemed insane they'd gone so long without it those was turnovers. Insane. Then all of a sudden now it's like a switch got flipped. Yeah. And Damn what broke. do you see as the difference? And is it something that was this well, just kind of a couple game fluke? Do you think it's sustainable? Andrew Adams was talking about how, and, and Coach Duffner is talking about this a lot too, that when the ball is in the air and you have a chance to make a play on it, we're not just batting it down. We have to come down with those passes. And there were some opportunities, not a ton of them, but there were some opportunities during that drought that they did not take advantage of. Uh, they clearly have done that the last two weeks. The other part of it that I think is probably a bigger impact is just the pressure from the defensive line seems to be getting better and better every week. Uh, three straight games of four sacks is something we hadn't done since 2004. So uh, when you have that pressure, you're causing errant throws, you're causing bad decisions, and that leads to um, opportunities to intercept the pass. Like I said, two of the passes that were intercepted, Gerald McCoy was hitting Cam Newton as he threw. So that caused throws that weren't nearly as good. Right. So uh, that's it. I think that the main thing is that the pressure has been really good. Okay. Uh, more uh, updates on where people are watching from. we got Illinois, and I saw we have uh, Budapest, Hungary, which is pretty cool. Nice. We, of course, got a bunch of people from Florida, which is awesome. Um, and I saw we had Idaho Bucks fans Idaho. as well. Um, I, bet, I bet they are Dirt Cutter fans. we got Pennsylvania and Iowa, all sorts of places, which Good is so deal. cool. Um, There's th- Buck fans everywhere, huh? Yes. <laughs> uh, we also had a question asking about an update for uh, DeMar Dotson. Oh, yeah, because he didn't play in the last game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna, we're not going to know that until – I'm sorry that we always have to say this on Tuesday. I we, know, it's We so do sad. this on Tuesday. Um, the only injury updates we ever have are if there's something significant enough on Monday that Coach Cutter will tell us about it. But generally he says we'll talk about that when the injury report comes on on Wednesday. So 
he missed the last game. He even before he missed the last game, he was really having to sort of be regulated in practice. He didn't. He wasn't practicing a ton. He would generally not practice Wednesday, be limited on Thursday, and then practice on Friday, and then you know power his way through the game. And, and really, Demar's been dealing with this since the spring. I mean, mm -hmm. he's never been fully healthy. Right, which is incredibly impressive really the way he's impressive. been able to play and been in the league for as long as he has. Yeah, and he this season he has really gutted through a lot. And then, you know, the good news is, however, that uh, Leonard Wester stepped in, made his first start at right tackle, and according to Coach Cutter, he had a good game. Yeah, so it's, which is huge. You know, they've liked Leonard Wester for three years now. They've had him on the roster. Undrafted guy out of Missouri Western, I think. Not exactly a football hotbed. Right. And um, yes, they've had true. him around for three years He's had little spurts here and there where he's played a little, but they liked him, but they never he never had a start before, and you really don't know for sure, no matter how good he looks on the practice field, until he gets thrown into the fire of a game, and the fact that he did well is, is really encouraging. Yeah, that's Because he's your first guy in for either DeMar or uh, Donovan Smith. Donovan Smith never misses a game, right. but, uh, you know, you never know. Yeah, that Ironman streak is pretty impressive. Uh, Sean said, I heard about the goalpost issue before the game. <laughs> what would have happened if it was uh, bent or broken and couldn't be used? Couldn't be fixed at all? I mean, I don't know if that's a possibility. I'm sure they have replacements. Yeah, I actually talked to Rob about this yesterday, one of our field maintenance guys, and he said that they have an entire extra okay. post, which I'm like, where do you even keep that? <laughs> that is very large. But, yeah, that there is an extra post, so I think that would have been – very there, unlikely. There, there were people in the in the press box who were concerned we were going to have a delay of the game because they wouldn't have started the game until yep. they got it fixed. And and who know as it turned out, once they actually got around to fixing it, um, they did it pretty quickly. For anybody who doesn't know, uh, uh, the net got snagged on one of the goalposts, and they tried to pull it off. Somebody did by just get going up in the stands and pulling at it, which caused that upright to bend. And then fixing that involved bringing the entire goalpost construction down to the ground. And they had to put the flag back up. That was the other problem is the flag on top had That's gotten right. snagged That's right. and pulled all the way down. The flag so that shows you the wind. The flag, yeah, and the kickers need one on, on each upright to know that. So, yeah, that was the other thing they had to do is they had to go find a spare flag oh, once they wow. got that stuff off. It was just. I, I would think in that situation everybody would be looking at each other and go, who knows? Who knows where the spare flag is? I know, I right? Mean, Things you don't tend to you? see happening often. Now, I think there has been a game. I think there was a game played at one time at the University of Illinois, maybe. We played once at the University of Illinois, and the wind there was going – it was the last game of 02, the Super Bowl year, and the wind there was going so strong in one direction that the Buccaneers won 15 nothing on five Martin Gramatica field goals, and they were all in the same direction. But that was because of the wind. Apparently, there was a, a game played in Illinois where only they only had one set of goalposts, so – every offensive possession went in that direction. They wow. would just switch the field every time. That's amazing. So I suppose in an absolute emergency, they could have done that, that's, right? Yeah, that's true. That's or keep going in the same direction, but if you have to over kick, there. you yeah. turn it around. That's a great point. Uh, all right, we'll close on this. We had a few people bringing up the idea of, has Chris Godwin earned the number two wide receiver spot? Well, they were already listing Deshaun Jackson and Chris Godwin as co-starters. And I think if you looked at the play percentages, you'd probably find that Godwin was at least equal to Deshaun uh, even before that. Uh, so Coach Munkin said way back in, like, April that Chris Godwin had earned the right to be a starter. Right. So absolutely, if you're saying the other starter opposite Mike Evans is Chris Godwin is, is the number two guy, then yes, he absolutely has earned that right. That says nothing whatsoever about Deshaun Jackson. It just says Chris Godwin has done so. Right, and I lied. I'm going to ask you one more because okay. this just came in. Sure. Zach said, are we going to see anything from Justin Watson the rest of this year? And I wanted to bring this up because I had him on the radio show yesterday, and he was awesome to talk to. So I highly recommend if people miss that, going and finding it. 
great story about his brother and his family and right. his my cause, my cleats. Just a really great kid. Talked about his Ivy League background. Mm-hmm. He's a very intriguing guy. So because he brought this up, I wanted to hear. Did your he thoughts. talk about this issue at all? A little. Yeah, he talked about how you know he knew going in that you know a lot of his responsibilities were going to be special teams, were going to be more of the blocking roles, and mm-hmm. that he even joked about uh, their wide receiver coach saying that if he got a, a pass for a bit, it was almost going to because things went wrong, no. which is essentially what happened on his one catch that he has. That he said he was not the target. Yeah. He, he was not the, the person called, but that he thinks that maybe moving forward, it's, it's not going to be a mistake. It will <laughs> be on purpose. He did get targeted one more time in this game. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing about what I think they're doing, in addition to what you just said, when Justin's in the game a lot of the times, I, I say this because people asked this question when it was clear that Deshaun wasn't going to play. Everybody's like, is that going to be more for – Justin Watson, and I really didn't think so because the obvious replacement for Deshaun is Chris Godwin. Right. To me, what I've seen Justin do a lot is when Mike Evans comes off the field, he comes in to replace him mm-hmm. in a play that you would normally have Mike Evans because they're similar type receivers, and I think that's basically been his role. In addition to what he said, uh, what Justin said, his time on the field has been replacing Mike Evans, and Mike Evans isn't coming off the field a whole lot he, right. these days. He was banged up for a couple weeks, but right now, Mike Evans is on the field a lot, so... Okay. I, I don't think you're going to see a huge uptick in Justin Watson's stats unless bad things happen, like Mike Evans not being which available. Which is not we what we're rooting for about, there. Right. So, yeah, that's a great point. Okay, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live, presented by Miller Lite. Thanks to all of you for joining us and for submitting all those questions. We're here every week. So keep thinking of all those questions throughout the week. Come back next Tuesday at noon, and we'll see you then.